for another edition of Lunch with Spencer and Jeff. I'm your host, Spencer Turkin, alongside my partner, Jeff Mills. Hello, everybody. And today we are joined in the News and Record offices by Sam Hunt, former Jacksonville, North Carolina A&T, NC State college player, uh, played ball over at Dudley, and uh, is now back on the NC State staff. Sam, always appreciate you stopping by and getting to see you. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. It's been a long journey. So, uh... The reason we have you here today, though, is because TBT is yeah, in town, basketball and you tournament. are playing for CP3. First off, what is it like to be in this tournament on Chris Paul's team, and what is it like to have the CP3 name across your chest again? It's like <laughs> AAU days for you. Uh, it's an honor. Um, I started playing with Chris Chris Paul's organization when I was 15 to 17. Um, great guy, not just a basketball player. Um, has been a role model to a lot of guys in the organization. He doesn't look at us as players. He looks at us like his little brothers. So he's always treated us like that. But it's it's an honor to still play, knowing I'm a kind of washed. Uh, <laughs> but it's an honor to be in the tournament uh, with a great selection of guys that's playing in the tournament, great teams. And the guys I'm playing with, they I practiced with them yesterday. They look great. Like, so it's it's cool being back and playing. Who are you playing with them? Just out of um, curiosity. You guys, you have Nate Mason that played in Minnesota. Yep. Aaron Roundtree played at Wake Forest. Deontay Baldwin played at UNCG. Yep. Uh, PJ Harrison who played at North Carolina. Kennedy Meeks who played at North Carolina. Um, who I don't want to leave. Deontay Clark who played at UMass yeah. and then went to Texas Southern. Um, I don't want to leave anybody off. But those are a few of the guys mm-hmm. I'm playing. Uh, majority of these guys I played against coming up in AAU. So I know them very well. What's the format of the tournament for people who aren't familiar with it? How does it work? So single elimination. Mm-hmm. Um, you win, you lose, you go home. You win your region. You get, um, you move on to the next region, which would be in Chicago. Which I think it would be like the finals, which starts August 1st. Um, one of the rules that is very unique. So after I think after a certain amount of time, they cut the clock off. Mm-hmm. Say if we have 80 points, the first team to 87 will win, no matter what that next team has. So that, so you can't win off of just fouling and free throw shots and one-on-one thing. Like, you can't. So it's a, they cut the clock off. It's always a game winner because whoever scores the first to 87 or 90, whatever it is, whatever the point difference is, that's who wins. That's pretty cool. Uh, this tournament started, I want to say, in either 2013 or 2014, mm-hmm. and it was – one of those things that nobody really thought was going to gain traction. And, and it did, man. Here we are. There's a $2 million purse on the line, winner take all. Right. What is it like trying to play in something like this and and being around these guys knowing that there's so much money on the line? Play hard. Every <laughs> game matters. So you can't come out and come out with low energy or not giving your best because at the end of the day, when the, when the buzzer ends or when the game is over, you're done. So, you know, you're putting your all into it. And like like you said, I starting in 2012-2013, I've watched it every summer. So I've gotten to see Overseas Elite win every year. <laughs> I got to see. Um, Isn't that amazing, though? Like, there's not yeah. a big-name guy on that team. They just work really well together. They work really well together. They're, to, for, they're all really good overseas. Like, they're overseas. They're big-name guys. Um, they all were good in college, and they just didn't. Just didn't work that well in the NBA, but they went overseas and made a heck of a career over there, and they come mm-hmm. back and play well together. I don't know how I don't know how they do it every year, but they do it they do it every year and win. How did this team come together? Is this one of those things where Chris just sends out 
a big text message to a bunch of guys that he knows from from AAU ball and says, "Who wants to play on my team?" How does this all happen? Oh, funny story. Coach John Adams. He was my he was my coach with CP3, and since I'm the guy who's not playing actively, I practice with the team and play with our team up at state. I was kind of like the GM to help him out, get guys, certain guys he thinks <laughs> might need, talk to him and try to get them, you know, to buy in. But Coach John Adams, he's put the team together for the most part and um, got guys to, you know, certain guys to come and play, guys he thinks will fit in our system and guys are still playing. How uh, how are Chris's coaches, coaching abilities? Uh, Chris coached us when I was 15. I want to say 15, 16. Whatever year was the lockout year. Yeah, yeah. He uh-huh. was able to come to a lot of our games and coaches in. You know, he coaches as a player. What he sees out there is different from what other coaches might see because he's, he's looking from a player standpoint. But he's so strategic and detailed about the game that he, he knows what he's doing. He talks to you. He don't yell. Like, he's very calm when he talks to you. So he's pretty good. Uh, is it going to be weird being out on the floor and knowing a lot of the guys you're playing against? Um, not weird. We we had a chance to practice, and like I said, a lot of these guys I have stayed in contact through social media. Some of them I can phone call, text message, but it's not weird because, like I said, some of these guys I know from even from the other teams, from my team and the other teams. Like I know I've seen them. We played, came up AAU together. I played against them in college, maybe. How cool is it for you that that this thing is happening in Greensboro? Yeah, and at the Fieldhouse, it's cool. It's a cool facility. Um. It's, it is a cool experience. Um, I love Greensboro. I love everything about the city. Um, I grew up here. So for us to come back and be able to play in the city and kind of host it, um, I think it's pretty cool. It's neat. Like I said, I've played here at a I played high school here. Anytime I can come back and play, it's, it's cool. Um, you mentioned growing up in Greensboro. What was, what was basketball like for you as a little kid? Like, you know, I'm guessing you've played the game since you were. Mm-hmm. Could Four. walk basically, yeah. So what was what was what was what were some of the pickup games like when you were you know seven eight years old? What was what was what's Greensboro like as far as a basketball town growing um, up? It's one big family. My dad and the late um, coach Mike Harris they ran mm-hmm. basketball camps from from even when Will Graves was playing, who went to Dudley. He ran they ran camps like that, and I started going to those camps when I was three. My dad, funny story, my dad would be working with the older guys, and Coach Mike Harris would. Just tag me along. He'd bring me with me. He'd tell me to get in the drills. And I could barely, like at three, I can't really do anything. <laughs> and then finally I got up age, he would, I would move up and up each year. But that's where the pickup games started. The pickup games would start in those camps. And then when the camps, after the camps, like people would grow to know each other. So as we got older, the pickup games would keep going on and on. So, but it was, it was always been intense. You always wanted to prove yourself. You always wanted to be, what they call the best in the city. So it was always a high level of basketball. Everybody competed. But after the game was over, it was still family. Like, let's go have some – let's go out to eat or let's go to – at that age, let's, let's go to my friend's house and play. Yeah. And play some more to pick up <laughs> at, the, at the court. So, What was it like playing uh, CP3 AAU ball? I mean, a lot of really talented ball players have come through that yeah. program. Oh, man. One story I remember. <clears throat> I'm 15. We're basically the younger guys, part of the program. We got the 15s, 16s, 17s. And the older guys will always joke with the younger, joke on the younger guys. And I remember one time I finally started joking back. And those guys, once they, like, once they found out, like, you know, we didn't, we wasn't afraid or we wasn't back down or we would talk to them, they treated us like we was family. And, you know, at 15, you look at PJ Harrison or Desmond Wells, like, oh, I watch him on YouTube. 
Like, <laughs> I want to be on YouTube just like him or Ball is Life. And, you know, we, after that, you stop looking at me, looking at me, it's like, those are my big brothers. Like, they're going to make sure I'm fine. And, you know, you compete. Like, you compete against them. Like, we would have battles where the 15s would play against the 16s, the 16s would play against 17s. And, of course, like, at some point in time, they're way more talented, but you're growing and learning from them. And you're becoming a better player by playing against them. So the competition was always good. The high level, the high level of basketball was there and you know, you just competed. Like that's what made us, that's what made each, each age group good because we competed and wanted to be better. Uh, you went on to college obviously and played basketball for, for, for four years in college. You had the experience of playing at some mid majors and then finishing your career at, at a very major school. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest difference between mid major basketball and you know, a, power, a power five conference um honestly just the resources the okay. resources that a power five can offer um i will say this a guard that's at a mid-major school is just as good at a guard at a high major school the difference is the bigs are bigger right the bigs in the in a mid-major is six seven six eight but when you go to a high major like my um, teammate play at georgetown now you're seven he's seven feet right and can shoot can move but the guards, the wings, they're very similar. Um, but the biggest difference, the resources that high majors have, the stuff they're able to, like training tables, um, chartered flights, like stuff like that, just the difference. And it, it can make, it can make a difference in your, in your play because you have a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. Your weight, your weight, uh, strength and conditioning coach is just for you. It's not, he's not catered to everybody else. Um, just the time they can spend, you have all access to a gym. With a with either a code, an eye scanner, or a fob, just stuff like that. It make it's it's a little different. You played over here at A and T. Well, first you went away. You got away from Greensboro for a little bit. You went to Jacksonville, and then you came up to A and T. Um, and and it was a few interesting years here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the program was uh, was a little turbulent at, at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your experience like though, playing back at home in front of your home fans, and and then now? seeing where that program is going and and the even footing that it's on. Um I loved it. Even that even though the fact it wasn't the best years as far as winning, I love playing in front of people I played in at Dudley, my family, um guys that I grew up able to come and check the games out. And it honestly made me mentally tougher. Um cuz it was like I said it wasn't the great years as far as winning, but it made me mentally tough. Um it allowed me to continue to like keep my faith high. And wanting to play basketball and keep growing as a player when other people could just say, man, this is not going to have I'm doing. I'm just going to be done. I was still able to find a way to either go to a better place or, you know, put, put myself in a better um, situation. And to see where they're at now is incredible. Mm-hmm. To see where, um, coach, coach Jordan has, where he started it to where they're at now. He's made a huge jump, um, turned the whole program around. You know, even people might say like they haven't won. No, nah, they're winners. They yeah. went from, I want to say we won three or four, three, three games. Three and 29. Yeah. To winning. <laughs> to 20 games next year. Yeah. To winning 20 games the next year. Like he's turned it all the way around. He's done an incredible job. Um, the guys he's brought in, the way he's got his guys to buy in. And you know, a lot of times I'm learning now when you first, your first year, it's about getting guys to buy into what you're trying to do because mm-hmm. You might have to be stern. You might have to, you know, go against the grain a little bit. But once they buy in and believe in what you believe in and you get a good collective group, you can win some games. And he's done that. 
Now, you had a, a nice final year at State. Y'all won 21 games, finished third in the ACC. Um, that year at State, you were mostly coming off the bench. Is it, is it, is it hard to be a, a six-man type player when you're used to being a starter, or how did you adjust to that? Um, so funny thing is I started maybe six games, mm-hmm. and I kind of knew going into the situation I might not start, but my teammates had incredible confidence in me. They knew I could shoot the ball. Um, anytime I came in, Coach Keys made it known, like, anytime you touch the ball, let it fly. And when somebody instills that confidence in you, you kind of like, all right, I can't lose. Like, mm-hmm. anything I do or anything I shoot, he's not going to be mad at. Now, he did get mad at me a few times for defense. <laughs> but, oh, where, where have I heard that before? Yeah, which I, I think I've every I've never coach. heard that before when it comes to Sam Hunt. Never, <laughs> ever. And, and it's funny. My dad was known for defense, so a yep. lot of people joke with me about that. But Coach Keys did a great job instilling confidence in me that I never felt like a bench player, I never felt right. like it was hard to come in because I knew my job. He made it He made it clear from when I got there. He told me the first time we had a meeting, like, I need somebody to come in and space the floor. I know previously what you did, but I need a guy. I got all those. I got guys who can slash. I got guys who can score the ball at a high level. I need somebody who can space the floor, make it hard for teams yep. to close the gaps, and who can shoot it. So he made it clear it wasn't hard at all. And his teams are always up, always deep. He plays a fair amount of guys anyway, so it doesn't really mm-hmm. make it the starter and – Reserve thing is sort of it's even kill, right? It's even kill. If you come in, produce, perform, he'll keep you in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talked about getting guys to buy in in a first year and being around a college program, and uh, you have some firsthand experience in this now because of your new role. You're on the coaching mm-hmm. side of things now, so and congratulations! That's a cool. Congratulations thing. on your grad assistant position. So, what is it like for you now, having played and? maybe fought those battles on the player side to now come in and see what it's like on the coaching side and then watching some of your former coaches do what they're doing and maybe having a newfound respect for almost what they have to do. Um, At first I didn't know how it was just, I just finished playing. So, you know, I'm still those guys age, three of them. I think at that time, three of those guys played with me. (laughs) So I didn't know if, if I told him something, would it be the same respect as the coach said it? But I didn't go with the mindset of trying to boss him around or be be stern. I came at him as, like, you know, I know what you're going through. I've been there. Maybe if you do this or do that, it'll help out. And it's a thin line that you have to draw from the players to the coaches because I'm in the middle. Mm-hmm. I'm right below the, the three coaching staff, the three guys that are head, assist, the head assistant and other associates, and I'm – right above the players. So I had to, you know, figure out a way to be able to get get the players to buy in what the coaches are saying and the players to trust me, which they do because I you know I play from the players to trust me to what I'm what I'm communicating back and forth. So it was I I I earned a great respect for um the coaches. I didn't know how many hours they put in. I thought honestly I thought playing was the hardest part. But when you <laughs> sit back the coaches are there. The players are there for two hours max for practice, and you might come in and get shots up. But the coaches are there. You get in around. I get there at seven, maybe seven thirty, and I'm there to maybe six thirty, seven or seven, depending on the day. I'm there to eight, maybe working guys out. Coaches are watching film, trying to figure out a game plan for the next game. Um, just recruit, calling recruits. Like so, I learned that. 
they spend a lot of hours trying to do their job and trying to win. What are you getting your master's degree in? Community, youth, community, and family science. Excellent. So I'll be done in December. Um, when I my grad year that I spent at state, I worked on it partially throughout the year, and I had a year left to get my full master's. So, do you see yourself going into college coaching now that you've been shown this path as a potential career? Uh, yes. Um. I like the fact of seeing young players develop. I didn't know how, I didn't know, I didn't know what I would like about it. I knew that I wanted to be a part of the game, still be close to it. But me being this year on the staff and seeing guys develop and get better and the adrenaline rush I still get from watching guys do stuff that you work on. Mm -hmm. I told myself, like, this is what I want to do. Like, you know, if I can help impact another kid's life, that somebody did the same thing for me, then that's the best gift I can give, you know. Playing, you have an impact on little kids because they look up to you. Right. But me being able to help somebody else out develop as a young man and as a player, the best feeling ever. Let me back up a little bit. You played professionally overseas, right? Yes, sir. In China? Yes, sir. What is basketball in China like? And what is China like? Ooh, different. <laughs> I, be I bet. <laughs> it's a different experience. Um, beautiful country. Um, you have different... You have, just like anywhere else, you have nice places, you have poor places. Mm -hmm. um, but it's nice. I had a hard time with the food. Yeah. Hard, I literally probably lost 8 to 10 pounds. Wow. Um, because I was eating rice. I was eating a lot of salads, mm -hmm. fruit, and I wasn't eating that much meat because I didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And funny story, I was walking one day. I would go sightseeing every day just around a different area. And the thing that turned me off. I seen them cut a chicken's head off. Oh yeah, <laughs> broad daylight on concrete. And right after that, I said, "Yeah, I'm gonna just stick to what I'm eating." <laughs> but it was a great experience. I got to see a lot. Um, just being—it's a whole different world mm -hmm. that you know people get stuck to being in America. If I would tell anybody, see the world as much as possible. Instead of buying other stuff, I would spend more money on traveling and seeing different, seeing different cultures, seeing different things. Where in China were you? Which what's So I was on a tour. I went to fifteen different cities. Cool. That's great. In two and a half months. Wow. So I got to see, to see everything. Thing. That's pretty cool. Do you have a favorite place there? That you like the best? Oh, I'm gonna I will butcher the name if I said it. Okay. I will butcher <laughs> the name. But I do remember a place, um just the just how it looked. It was just breathtaking. The sights I got to see while I was there. Like I said, I would walk around every day for an hour. So maybe one city would be there for two or three days. I would try to see everything in that city I can that's walking distance. Maybe if it's five to ten miles radius, I would walk and go see it. Cool. Did you get to see the Great Wall? Didn't get to see the Great Wall. Hmm. That's the one thing I regret. I did not see the Great Wall. It's still there. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't going anywhere. I don't think it's going that's, anywhere. That's uh, the next trip that, I, that I'm trying to take is Asia. I want to mm -hmm. do uh, China, Hong Kong, and, and Japan. I cool. want to get over there and Make sure you're flight ready. Yeah. <laughs> Long flight. So how'd you get from China to NC State? Um, I think I said, I think I might have said it earlier. When I, as soon as I got back, I was preparing to go back overseas to mm -hmm. play. And I went to state and worked out for a few days, practiced with the team just to stay in shape. And I was waiting for my agent to tell me where I was going next. He had told me something like Germany, Australia. And, um, and I go to the game. It was a Saturday game against Auburn. They were ranked. We were ranked. 
Big time game. I remember it. We went up, and I got that same rush, like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to go back and play. And after the game, I go into the coach's office, and Coach keeps his jokes all the time, all day. And he was like, whenever you're done chasing – he said – I think he wants to say, whenever you're done chasing Australia or Germany, because I told him where I might be going, he said, you know, it's a spot here, but I ain't going to wait for it forever. And when he said that, something clicked. Like, he already offered to me once, you know, it must be a reason that it's open again, and he keep he reminded me of it. And I talked to my mom and dad about it. You know, my mom, she's so big on whatever's going to make you happy. Mm-hmm. You know, follow your dream. You know, your dad coach, which I kind of have a, come from a coaching background. Um, and I thought about it. Like, I honestly say it was nights I cried because I did not know what I wanted to do. Yeah. I had no idea. And I was like, I still want to play. I still want to play. But it's some reason, God, you bring this back to me. And, you know, I thought about long-term what I would want to do when I'm 30. You can't play ball forever. Right. And um, I met with him. He said, okay, this is what you want to do. You're going to really buy into it and lock in. I'm, I'm going to give it to you. And that's where it came. From there, it just went on. Uh, are you guys as a staff mentally prepared to handle what could potentially be coming down the road right now with, with the NCAA? I mean, it's – it's a tough situation. It's not mm-hmm. something that this staff yeah, or not, you were around for, but nothing of your own doing. But just the way that the sport yeah, kind of works. It's the nature of the beast. Um, we try to focus on what we can do now in each season and trying to better our guys. So we try. We try. To, I mean, it's in the back of our head, but we try to leave it alone and focus on what we can. We can't control what the NCAA does or what violations they give us or sanctions they give us. But we try to focus on what our guys trying to possibly win an ACC championship and a national championship. So. We try to leave that alone, you know. It, it it's happening. Everybody knows about it, but we try to focus on what's in front of us. What is it like hitting the court and playing and coaching against Coach K, Coach Williams? I mean, Coach Beheim. I I can go on and on. Every night it's another Hall of Famer. Yeah, Coach Larinaga, Coach right. Coach Mack. <laughs> My first year when I played um, layup lines, I am literally going. I'm about to dribble for a layup, and Coach K walks out, and I lose the ball. <laughs> I lose the ball. Like, Coach K walked in. I'm like, oh, wow, that's Coach K. This is real. This is the Coach K. <laughs> and um, it's – that's the first – honestly, that might be the first time I've ever been starstruck. I've met NBA players, but I was like, yo, that's Coach K. I've never seen him in person. And, um, you know, it's humbling. You know, hopefully my goal is one day to be where they're at. But to see where they at, see how they how they how they run their teams and stuff like that, Coach K, Roy Williams, Coach Behan, all the Coach Hamilton at Florida State, those guys who have been along been along for this ride for a long time and they've done the right things. So, you know, it's it's humbling, very humbling to see where they see where they at and try to get to where they at. Uh, Coach Keats comes from another guy that's uh, Coach big time yep. Hall of Fame coach, Coach Patino. Mm-hmm. What is something that you see Coach Keats do? that you feel like resonates with the young men that is something you want to bring into your coaching career? Coach Keys is a great motivator. I don't know. I have to figure it out. But some way, somehow, he pulls the best out of kids to get them to play hard. Um, he knows how to talk to them. He knows how to get it best. I'm mean, whether it's either yelling at him or talking to him on the side. But one thing Coach Keys does, he's when somebody does something good, he's hard on you, but he's your biggest cheerleader. Mm. He's your biggest cheerleader, and that's what guys respond to now. Like knowing that their coach had their back, and he will go to war for his guys, whether they're in trouble or they have to fix him. Like he goes to war for him. Like he genuinely cares. So, 
one thing I want to try to figure out and that I want to bring on when I'm when I'm doing it is motivate my guys to play extremely hard. And one thing he does I've learned in the, maybe the last two months, he makes things simple and he trusts his players to make the right plays. We don't want a bunch of plays. He keeps it very simple and put the game in his players' players' hands. Well, Sam, uh, it's everybody's favorite time That's on the right. podcast. It's lunchtime. And you uh, pick, you've picked a winner here, you, too. You certainly have. Uh, Lindley Park Filling Station, uh, a Greensboro staple. And uh, you went with the Englewood, which is the crab cake mm-hmm. sandwich. Uh, you had us get it on Texas toast yes. with tomato added, french fries on the side. So uh, we'll let you go ahead and talk to everybody about why uh, you chose Lindley Park Filling Station, this item, and uh, and I guess how you kind of got introduced to Lindley Park Filling Station. Big seafood fan first. Um, so any seafood, if I see it on the menu, more than likely I'm getting that. <laughs> um, my best friend introduced me to Lindley Park, um, Deontay Baldwin. Mm-hmm. We thought it was a spot nobody knew about to a year later everybody knows about. <laughs> and when I saw it, I'm like, well, I got to get the crab cake. So first time I tried it on a potato bun. Then I was like, well, I like Texas toast. Let's see. Let's let's push the limits and see if they put on Texas toast. And never since then, I get the same thing almost every time. Almost every time. Uh, it's a giant crab cake yes. on here. And it's a uh, great choice, man. I've, I've, I've already in, indulged a little bit. <laughs> yeah. The crab cake is tremendous. Yeah. I mean, really by itself, good. the crab cake is tremendous. I'm, I love seafood. Anytime I can get my hands on a crab cake, fish, flounder, anything of that nature, I'm going for it. Uh, and – Hand-cut French fries that were on the side also. Uh, really solid choice. You read about helmet stickers, 1 to 10. Um, uh, I'm going 9.5 helmet stickers. This it's a, is, it's this a 9 is for me, for sure. Sandwich uh, yeah. right here. Uh, excellent choice. Uh, Sam, what about for you? Is this a perfect 10 for you? Or Easily. Okay. Easily. I would, if it wasn't a 10, I, when you, t- when you uh, asked me what I wanted, I said it's two choices. Either Harper's. Cause yeah, Harper's Coach is si, Coach si is a big Harper's guy. And that's the first person who introduced me to Harper's. And I was like, well, Lindley Park's more of a lunch thing. I like the crab cake. You know, I'm going with it. Yeah, the crab cake is, I, I can't stress enough how good it is in terms of being flaky and not being overspiced, which sometimes you get a crab cake that's a little exactly. bit too overspiced. This is really, really good. So you mentioned that China, the food, not really your thing. Uh, but you do travel with the ball club now. You guys get taken care of pretty well <laughs> on the road. So, uh, are, are you guys a big eat-in-the-hotel kind of team, or are you uh, a go-out-and-have-a-family-meal a kind of team? Depending on depending on who we play and how much time do we have. So any time during the ACC tournament, we might go out to eat as a team. But as far as, like, if we get there, we're eating at the hotel. Either food is catered or the hotel provides certain stuff. We kind of usually keep a certain thing where we eat for pregame, where you might have steak, pasta, um, greens, Anything of that nature, we usually eat some type of ta- tilapia or fish. We kind of keep it at the hotel for the most part. Uh, post game, what is your go to post game meal item? I know at A and T it was uh, pizza. It was usually pizza. <laughs> pizza yeah. Um, depends. Depends on where we at. But usually my go to is wings. Ah, okay. I'm on the healthy side, but after a big time, if a big time win, I'm I'm happy to enjoy <laughs> some wings. If we lose. I'm still not going to feel that bad because I got the wings. <laughs> it's a win-win situation. How do, nice. how do you like your wings? Are you a, a, a strict buffalo guy? Are you no. a teriyaki guy? If or? I could find some dry rub, I'm going with the dry rub. Okay. Always. There we go. Well, Sam, uh, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you stopping by. Uh, 
you know, we got to know each other when I was calling the games at A and T, and and you were playing. And uh, I think I've made this very well known that uh, that you were one of my favorites to come through. <laughs> so this was a, a big treat for me. So I really do appreciate it. Best of luck to you guys this weekend uh, in the tournament, and uh, I'm sure I will be uh, over in Raleigh to uh, to come see a couple of games. Yeah, you do, man. I'll Best of luck with the new gig, man. That's cool. I thank y'all for having. Me. That'll do it for this edition of Lunch with Spencer and Jeff. Make sure you go ahead and uh, subscribe to us in the iTunes and the Google Play Store, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Take care, everybody.